Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Cross Country Sports Podcast. This is episode eight of our shindig. Alongside Elijah Zalonki, I'm Noah Friedman. And in this episode, right before Super Bowl Sunday, we're actually going to preview the most important position, but we're going to be doing it in terms of what we feel like the teams are going to be doing in the offseason. So the quarterbacks are the most important position. We talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers in the last podcast, but since then, big news broke. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Elijah, because the Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams made a blockbuster trade. First time in NFL history that two former number one overall picks were traded for each other, as Jared Goff was sent with a bunch of draft picks to the Detroit Lions in exchange for Matthew Stafford. So guess what, Elijah? You get a really good quarterback out of the NFC North. Isn't that amazing? Let me hear your thoughts on the Matthew Stafford to Los Angeles deal. It's it's nice to not have to worry about facing Matt Stafford twice a year. But really, I don't I think the Lions are the clear winners of this trade because first of all, I don't think Goff is a bad quarterback. I think Jared Goff is pretty good. Um he has dumb moments, certainly during the regular season. Um, and I've seen him make like, – like he's not consistent week in and week out. But one thing I know I could count on from Goff is he's always got that next play mentality. And I've seen it in the playoffs where he's able to stand in the pocket, make his throws. He's a gamer. That's what he is. He's a gamer. He gives me a lot of Eli Manning vibes so to speak, minus a lot of things that made Eli Manning not very good. I think Goff throws a really nice ball. Uh, the problem with him is he's just not very mobile. He doesn't. He's kind of a statue in the pocket. But in general, I really don't think that Stafford is that much of an upgrade. And yes, Stafford is the, certainly the more talented player, but is having him going to be enough of a factor to get the Rams further than they got with Goff. Meaning, will it get them a Super Bowl title? Will it get them, you know, past a Green Bay or a Tampa in the postseason, like late in the postseason? Uh, I don't think so. I haven't seen, we, we, we really haven't seen Stafford in big games, but obviously Stafford's been hindered by the Lions all I know is this is a very, very interesting move because we're finally going to get to see how much varying levels of quarterback talent really matter. Meaning, like, obviously, you know, Deshaun Watson is better than a Nathan Peterman, right? Like, obviously, certain quarterbacks are substantially better than others. But when it comes to, like, the Kirk Cousins and the Matt Ryan's and the Nick Foles and the Jimmy Garoppolo's like they, they're always so hard to rank because they're all pretty much the same guy when it comes down to it. Um, and that's why I think that we're really not going to see much of a difference in these two teams. I think the Rams are going to probably make the playoffs again and probably lose uh, to a better team. And I think that the lions are going to continue to be bottom feeders uh, the one thing I will say is that as a Bears fan, I'm moderately delighted because Stafford has a tendency to pick us apart and lose, while uh, Jared Goff usually doesn't do a very good job against the Chicago Bears. So as a Bears fan, it's nice, although the Lions will have a couple extra first-run picks who could be stars. Um, it, it's still nice from the perspective of a Bears fan. From, a Bears, uh, from the perspective of a Bears fan, having said that, I think that they're virtually the same guy. I don't know. No. What do you think? You, uh, yeah, you I, I think it's it? very interesting. Their skill sets are very similar. I think that the only intrigue out of this trade is that Matthew Stafford finally gets to play with weapons around him. I mean, think about who he's been throwing oh. the ball to in the past. Kenny few Galladay? Years. Yeah, Kenny Galladay is probably the only person that you can really put on there. TJ Hawkinson's a pretty good target himself. But yeah. now you've got so many weapons in Los Angeles. You've got Robert Woods that you can throw to. Cooper Cup you can throw to. You've got really good running backs that you can throw out of the backfield, Cam Akers and um, Malcolm Brown. So I think that it makes a lot of sense for both teams because with Jared Goff, you can basically start over. He's going into his age 27 campaign. 
and he's still going to be under contract for another three years after that, and that'll be a free agent in 2025. So what this tells me is that the Rams basically wanted to start over with a veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford and pay him the same amount of money in less time and also deal away draft picks. Can you imagine Rams GM Les Snead basically living on the edge? Think about the Rams' first-round picks since 2017. They traded it to the Tennessee Titans, who used it to take Corey Davis. 2018, they traded it to the New England Patriots to take Isaiah Wynn. 2019, they traded it to the Falcons, who took Caleb McGarry. And then 2020, they traded that first-round draft pick as well to get Jalen Ramsey. And they traded away their 2021 and 2022 draft picks in order to get Matthew Stafford, as well as a third-round pick for next year's draft as well, which is just very interesting the way that the Rams are just not going through the draft process at all. But Yeah, or not the early draft process at least. Right, exactly. Of course, they're able to scout talent much later, and and that's obviously the conversation for another time. But It's it's something they could do because, you know, when you have that interior pass rusher and uh, and Aaron Donald and you have uh, Jalen Ramsey, you know, your defense is short up. Like, you got to – you have a great coach in John McVay who could always implement his system with young guys. Um, by the way, though, I, like just so you know, Lions don't have slouches on offense. Galladay is a top-tier receiver, and Marvin Jones is one of the better number two receivers in the league. DeAndre Swift, really nice young running back. Um, Adrian Peterson still got it in the tank. Like It's not like the, the Lions are devoid of offensive talent. It's just that they're always playing from behind because their defense – it's usually a little bit suspect. Um, and also it's just like a poorly run organization. But um, I think Lions the problem like- – sorry to interrupt. I think the problem with the Lions in terms of what they've been able to produce on offense is strictly through coaching. And that's also why I think the Jared Goff deal makes sense for them because they're starting over with a new coach in and uh, Dan Campbell. And I think that in terms of the way that he wants yes. to mold the team – he might think of Jared Goff as a centerpiece and it gives the line stability as well at the quarterback position, because they are going from someone who's a little bit older, wily veteran who's been beat up in that organization for a bunch of years. Now they go to a, a younger, young, younger gun kind of guy who has an up and coming offensive line that can block for him. We'll see. I think that it really bodes. I, I disagree with you, Elijah, in the sense that I, I don't think there's a clear winner in the trade yet. We'll see what the Lions end up doing now that they have not only a new coaching staff, but a new front office as well, and how they're going to be able to utilize the Rams' first-round picks. Because it makes sense if you want to deal them, because if the Rams are going to be good each and every year, then the draft picks are going to be somewhere in the 20s. So it's up to the Lions' front office and player personnel department to utilize all those resources that they got in the Matthew Stafford deal. And then with Stafford, you basically have a revitalization process there as well because you're putting him on a winner. You're putting him in Los Angeles. He's probably built for it. His high school teammate in both football and baseball was Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw. They're going to be neighbors now. How how much do you think it goes well for that? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's great for Stafford. Certainly a great opportunity for him. I don't. I still haven't seen him be particularly clutch except against the bears every now and then. (laughs) Um, But like, it's not, I still, I still haven't seen anything from Stafford that makes me think he's just going to put this team over the edge. Like the problem wasn't Jared Goff in the playoffs this year. Problem was the Rams were just beat up. They were injured. And now Stafford is going from the Aaron Rodgers division to the tough division, the the hardest division in football, which is the NFC West, where he's going to be up against the young Kyler Murray, the great Russell Wilson, and whoever the heck Kyle Shanahan is starting in San Francisco, um, which we'll talk about because like that could be a number of people. But the point being, Stafford, he definitely has his work cut out for him, but it's also – great opportunity to finally bring a Super Bowl to Los Angeles. Um, but that, that, that is the expectation though. Like he has to win a Super Bowl. Otherwise he's really not that much different from Goff because Goff made it to the Super Bowl and lost by, 
I mean, Rams offense just got destroyed that game also by a bunch of phantom holding penalties, but that's a whole other conversation. But, um, but the, the Rams like really, in my opinion, if Matt Stafford does not win a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams, then they lose this trade because Goff had gotten them there, or he was at least on the team that got there. So, you know, if Stafford can't take them above that level, then it was all for nothing. I think that's fair. And I think that's a really good point. And I think that should be the last word on how our feelings are with Goff and Stafford, but We'll see because right in the heat of the moment, I still feel like it's a very middle ground trade and I think it benefits well for both teams. But speaking of which, someone who you talked about earlier in your rambling process was Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. The, I don't know, the the second coming of Patrick Mahomes, if you will, both 25 years old, etc. The difference is Deshaun Watson has not been able to win in Houston. And with that, he has vocally criticized that organization and demanded a trade. So... Elijah, I ask you, out of all teams that are in the National Football League, where is Deshaun Watson going to end up? Because in my opinion, I don't think it's going to be in Houston. Where do you think he's going to end up? Well, I don't think it's going to be in Houston either. And for Brett Favre, by the way, Brett Favre came out and recently said, um, I think it's, I think he said yesterday, something like, we get paid a lot of money. We get paid too much money to have an opinion or something along those lines. I don't know the exact quote specifically i'll find it but um basically no brett Favre, you're wrong uh (laughs) you know like it doesn't matter how much money one makes like their opinion is always valid and and like it's just so ironic for brett Favre of all people to be all shut up and play like that's just not like you know the guy who literally retired and then unretired then retired then unretired then went to the jets then the vikings like come on man like if anyone's going to be player friendly it should be you but no but anyway uh that's enough brett fart rambling for today um but deshaun watson i i think he's gonna go to the jets if i had to guess i really think that that's uh like their front runner for a reason um, the Jets or Miami might make sense as well. Uh, I could see Miami giving some of the Texans picks back to get Watson, and then to uh, you know, like the 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 Texans could have uh young, hotshot quarterback in Tua, uh, who's obviously not Watson level, but he could come in and jury's still out on how good Tua is going to be. So, I think those are the two most likely destinations. I think Chicago does have a chance. I think that we would probably be third. Um, They're third or fourth behind San Francisco. I think San Francisco is also a very likely destination. Although I don't think that Kyle Shanahan's system really needs a, like an elite quarterback. Like obviously any, any coach would be happy with, uh, with Deshaun Watson, like every team could use a Deshaun Watson, but I don't think that Kyle Shanahan's version of the West Coast offense really needs the most exceptional improviser in the league. Like I think that he wants someone who plays more by the book, someone who plays more, um, who follows the scheme, I guess, so to speak. Um, that said, that's not to say that they, they can't use Watson because obviously they would love to have Deshaun Watson, but I don't see it being enough of a priority for them to give up valuable assets for him when Jimmy Garoppolo was very, very nearly enough to win a Super Bowl with. Um, so with all that being said, I know that's a lot. I think the Jets are the front runners. I think that with the young hotshot head coach, Robert Sala, running the defense, I think it makes a lot of sense to get Deshaun Watson in there running the offense. He'll fit New York really, really well. Um, So if I had to make a prediction, oh, and the Texans could get Sam Darnold for him, who still could be a very nice young quarterback. Um, Sam Darnold could still be great. You know, like he was, after all, third overall pick. Um, 
he just didn't really have a lot of talent around him. You know, get him in Houston, get him a fresh start somewhere, put him in a dome. Um, I could see him doing a really nice job. So I think that a trade sending Darnold to Houston, Watson to the um, to Jets. the Jets, and the Jets sending over their number two pick, so Houston could do a lot with that. Um, I think that is the trade that makes the most sense, and I think that's what's going to end up happening. And I'm hoping I'm wrong because I want him to go to the Bears. Uh, what do you think? So I agree with you. I think that the Jets are the front runner, and I'm going to tell you why, and it's not because they're going to acquire Sam Darnold in a, in a potential trade. So right. right now the Jets ad says that they could load off. They could load off the second overall pick. They could load off the 34th overall pick, and then they've got first-round selections in 2022-2023, and then also just for giggles, they could throw in a second-round pick in 2022. That's, oh, right, from that, uh, the, this uh, Jamal Adams trade. From the Jamal Adams trade, exactly. And that and it just makes all the sense in the world for that to happen. And they don't even have to. They don't even have to load Sam Donald off at that point. What they could What they could do also is they could trade Sam Darnold to somewhere like the Indianapolis Colts, per se, who also need a quarterback. They could get a first-rounder for him. Then they could have even more trade leverage to, to, to throw at uh, Deshaun Watson in Houston. And then it would be much easier for that trade to actually go through. So that's an intriguing part of it. Another intriguing part of why Deshaun would actually want to be in New York is because, again, they're starting over with the coaching staff. So – it would make sense that they could be joint at the hip from year one. Robert Sala is a defensive minded guy. I don't see him being involved much in the offense. That's why he brought passing game coordinator, Michael Fleur from that San Francisco 49ers coaching staff to be the offensive coordinator. And I really like what he's been able to do working with Kyle Shanahan. And you talk about the similarities in offense between the West coast. And I think that it could possibly work in New York with starting from scratch. The San Francisco 49ers option also very much intrigues me. The only difference is they would have to offer Jimmy Garoppolo because of money. So yes. they would basically have to do a straight swap for that. With Sam Darnold, they don't have to do that because he's on a rookie contract. So that makes sense. Another one is the Miami deal, which I think would be second most realistic because, again, like you said, the jury's still out on Tua. We don't know if he's going to be a good quarterback in this league or not. But based off of what Brian Flores had to do late in the games this year, putting in Ryan Fitzpatrick to try to finish it off is not necessarily a telltale sign, even though publicly he's back to a tug of Iloa as the quarterback for the Dolphins. But wouldn't it be incredible? Much though. I mean, he's, he's, it's a rookie quarterback. Like, right. That's, that, that's again, why it wouldn't necessarily work with Sam Darnold either, but right. I, so here's what Miami could do to basically swindle everything. They could trade the third overall pick, the 18th overall pick that they have, number 50, 2022 first round, throw in Tua, and then a 2023 second round pick. And all that would go to Houston for Deshaun Watson. And it would just be hilarious because that third overall pick was the pick that was initially traded to get Laramie Tunsil right. from last year. So, so they're just moving everything, moving everything back. They're moving everything back, but then somehow Miami ending up with the better part of the deal because they get Deshaun Watson. So, oh yeah, incredible. So, I I, I see the Jets have to take some L's here. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I I think the Jets would be the front runner. I agree with you on that. I think number two is Miami just because of the assets that Miami has, and then number three would be the 49ers. So, and and, and I would love if Deshaun Watson could be paired with with uh, Kyle Shanahan. I really do. I think that. It would be a great pairing. Both young guys, both could kind of be very uh, interesting in terms of what they would call it lines and stuff. Maybe like Shanahan would give, maybe Shanahan would give uh, Deshaun Watson a lot of power at the line, unlike what he's experienced in Houston with uh, a Bill O'Brien type, who's literally a be-all end-all type of play caller. So, I I, j- I just think Watson needs to go to a situation where he's going to have freedom at the line, just like yeah. the Brady's of the world, just like the Rogers of the world. I mean, those guys flourish when they're basically the play callers. And- oh, yeah. And Watson has that ability, as we've seen, um, you know, like when he's given that access. And it's like, that's why I would love him in Chicago. I mean, I think he would cost a couple first, a couple seconds, Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack, maybe. 
or something along those lines. Maybe not Roquan and Khalil Mack. Either way, I'm fine with that. You know, get it done. Get get that quarterback in there. But um, but yes, freedom at the line is essentially, um, you know, like uh, Watson wants to be able to run his offense, and he's shown that he's able to do that uh, by you know not just in the NFL but also in college by playing Nick Saban twice and you know, Nick Saban's defense wasn't able to stop him either time. You know, like we, we know how good this Watson is. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, putting him in the right situation because Houston, Houston feels very culty and weird. And I don't think anyone wants to be there, but you know, the, like they, they should like a young quarterback whose name isn't Deshaun Watson is exactly what Houston probably needs at this point. Uh, just so they could really, really start from scratch um, and work their way up from being uh, basically the Browns all the way to the new Browns, the new new Browns. That right. made sense to me. I don't know if it made sense in general, but it I does. It does, and 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 that's a good point that you bring up about management. And I brought it up too at the beginning of this segment. And for the Texans to have. Cal McNair, the 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 owner of the team and the son of the late Robert McNair, um, as the guy who's kind of calling the shots now, not involve its cornerstone franchise quarterback in the process for a new general manager. Because remember, they fired Bill O'Brien as both the head coach and the general manager. They ended up right. hiring somebody from the Patriots, Nick Casero, who you know we don't know how he's going to do, but the fact that they didn't involve Watson in that, and then in the head coach too. I'm not saying that. David Coley is going to be a bad head coach. He's waited almost 30 years for this opportunity to be a head coach in the National Football League. But he's coming in to an absolute firestorm and an absolute um, incredible mess. And for for them to not involve Deshaun Watson in any of the processes, rubbed in the wrong way and with great sorrow. That's why he's able to voice his opinion and request a trade out of there. And I... He's not going to be in Houston. There's absolutely no question. You can you can put money on it. I'm 100% certain that he is not going to be in a Houston Texans uniform in 2020. As a Colts fan, it must be nice to not, you know, now you don't have to worry about facing him twice a year. Yes, potentially with the hypothetical scenarios. But the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars now own the first overall pick, they have a new head coach themselves. We'll get into that too because they'll possibly probably draft Trevor Lawrence, so that'll be well, a they, new. They will. They will draft Trevor Lawrence. I don't like the Urban Meyer hire, by the way. I don't either. I've never I, been. I, never I, been I think an it's a really Meyer bad hire. hire. I agree. I don't know if it'll work out, but he's had success in the state of Florida as a coach, but he's never had NFL experience, and he's also never been on an NFL coaching staff, so he doesn't know how that works. But that's I a conversation think... for a different time. I think that we can talk about that as the draft comes along because we're going to talk about um, a lot of things with the draft. I want to move I on to another quarterback. Another candidate. Sorry. Yes, go yeah. ahead. I want to move on to another quarterback that um, has a lot of decisions to make in the next coming weeks. And as a matter of fact, his coach said in the next two weeks, he'll be making his Aaron decision. Rogers. No, that's not who I want to start with. I'm going to start yeah. with Drew Brees, who oh. he signed a two-year contract in the 2020 offseason. So this past offseason. And insiders are contemplating that he will retire. And he is reportedly said that he will go into broadcasting uh, on NBC specifically uh, once he is done playing the game of football. He still has one more year under his, under his belt contract wise, but it was a rough 2020 for Drew Brees in the NFL this year. So I'll be honest, I don't care where Drew Brees goes. I think he's done. He's been done. Like he's just not very good at football anymore. I, I've been saying that he's like, that he's done for years. He reminds me of, um, I guess before the 2020 MLB postseason, which I didn't really follow, by the way, but like um, he reminds me a little bit of Clayton Kershaw and that obviously like he'll put up great regular season numbers, but then in the playoffs, he's just like a totally different guy. And by a different guy, I mean, he's just like a regular dude. And that's kind of been the way Drew Brees has operated for a really long time. And it really manifests this year um, when the saints were constantly relying on other quarterbacks to throw the big touchdown passes. Drew Brees is done. Um, and like, I would never say, I would never make such a, like such a blunt statement about Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or anyone like that. But Drew Brees 
is done, I believe. Um, even if he doesn't retire, I don't really care where he goes next. I can't imagine him having success elsewhere because he can't throw the ball more than 20 yards downfield accurately. Um, and I really look forward to hearing how he does in the broadcast booth. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. I think that Breeze will be uh, announcing his retirement in the next couple of weeks. According to Sean Payton, that's what the decision will come down to. It's going to be either retirement or coming back for one more year. And obviously that one year will definitely be his last year because at that point he'll be 43, which is insane. And um, for someone who does not take care of his body as well as Tom Brady, um, who's a little bit younger, um, it doesn't make any sense for him to even stay at the quarterback position for the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints have options. Peyton has said directly in media that if Breeze retires, that Jameis Winston will be the priority to re-sign and be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, which I find hilarious considering he wasn't even the second option when Drew Brees went down with that rib injury early on in the season. It was Taysom Hill. So how do you think Taysom Hill feels about this? Um, It's a very interesting quarterback room in New Orleans. And I think that I agree with you that Breeze will definitely retire and he will move to the booth. And that'll be an interesting kind of domino effect to see if he actually gets to be number one in the Sunday Night Football booth if he does end up going to NBC. Because then where does that leave Chris Collinsworth? Where does that leave Al Michaels? Do they just scratch both of them and then put Mike Tirico and Drew Brees together, which is the pairing that has been talked about? Who knows? That's another very interesting conundrum. Elijah, I have a question for you. Yes. Which quarterback would you like to talk about next? Because there are so many, and I don't really know based off of the food chain, which quarterback you think is the most important to discuss next, because we still got some time here. I think that we've basically knocked out the meat from the quarterbacks in terms of where we think they're going to land. What about Sam Darnold? Well, Sam Darnold, we've talked about. I think he'll yep. go to. I think he'll go to Houston in a trade or the the uh, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, and be like he'll go somewhere in the AFC South, which is probably good for him. I think Darnold makes a lot of sense for the AFC South in general. Yeah, uh, I think. Um, but the the other quarterbacks that I love to discuss and. These are, well, I think Cam Newton is a big one, but I also think that there's, with the Patriots, it's really just speculation at this point. I can't imagine them making a move anytime soon, but we really don't know what they're going to do because of how the Patriot way is, like how Bill Belichick pretty much keeps everything private behind closed doors. Although I don't think the Patriots will re-sign Cam Newton I definitely see a scenario where they might consider it for another year. He's not going to demand a lot on the market. And when you really think about it, he wasn't that bad this year. And I know eight touchdown passes, 10 interceptions looks horrible. Um, But people like to, for for whatever reason, no one counts the fact that he scored uh, 13 other touchdowns. 12 rushing and a receiving touchdown. Like people just don't count that because it's a quarterback for whatever reason. I never understood it. Also people forget that he literally got COVID week three or four, I believe. um, And felt, you know, like the, the effects of that lingered, um, you know, kind of made him weaker, maybe made him fatigue a little bit quicker as the season went on. And the Patriots were terrible without him. Um, and they were, you know, terrible at points with him too. Patriots were a really weird team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with all their players opting out. Uh, a lot of that had to do with injuries, losing Julian Edelman, obviously like that's a hundred catches that they were short this year because Edelman was gone. Um, so I guess really like 2020 was just not a fair year to assess Cam Newton or to assess the New England Patriots as a team, because no team got hit with COVID harder than they did. Um, and obviously, you know, that they had to replace a pretty good quarterback with a quarterback who I still think has plenty left in the tank, uh, but other people might disagree because he didn't have those lofty touchdown numbers. Um, 
And yet the Patriots were still able to win like six or seven games, which just goes to show that I, I still think Belichick still got it. You know, just because Brady's gone, it doesn't mean that the Patriots are an undesirable destination. And I, if I had to make a prediction, I think Cam will end up staying with the Patriots for another year, honestly. And I think, um, I think that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to start. And I do think the Patriots will draft another quarterback or sign someone, maybe a Mitch Trubisky, someone who, you know, like definitely needs to adhere to a system. Um, But, you know, like obviously systems in place in uh, New England, I could also see the Patriots trying to make a move for Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts, you know, whichever one the Eagles don't want to play with. Um, But in general, I think I really do think Cam's going to stay in New England. I think I like. I, I think one of the intriguing moves that Cam Newton could possibly make, and I don't know if he proved enough in the 2020 season to do this, but. There is a regime down in the DMV area of the United States. Uh, the Washington football team has retooled, and they've brought over every single Panther that you could possibly want. You got the coach, Ron Rivera. You've got the GM, now Marnie Herney, who's now the GM, of, or he's the vice president of football operations, but he's in the front office. So there's the influence of the people who have worked with Cam. The problem is, those people were also the ones who cut Cam. So right. I don't it, I can't imagine he goes there. I, I can't imagine it, but what I'm saying is there might be a reunification process in place because there's no way that the Washington football team goes with who they have right now because there's a domino effect there. If Cam signs with the Washington football team, then you don't have Alex Smith, who they aren't necessarily thinking about re-signing anyway. Then you'd have to go with someone like Taylor Heineke. So the domino effect keeps falling, but right. I don't, I don't see Cam back in New England specifically because of the reason that you mentioned, which is going to the draft because they've got a mid first round draft pick, fifteenth overall, as a matter of fact. And pundits have Justin Fields of Ohio State going there. Again, we can get into that in a much deeper topic as the draft approaches because we'll actually have a sense of who each team wants to take and if there's any trades pre-draft and. We can definitely do a lot of different analysis from that. One With thing Cam, I will say about Cam, though, is he is at the very worst a, a, a Taysom Hill. Because we all know, like, in the red zone, there are very few threats who are as threatening, I guess. <laughs> I don't like the same word. Uh, but, uh, like, there's very few people who are as threatening in the red zone as Cam Newton. Uh, so, like, he, it's not like he doesn't have any value. Like, he will have value to some team. Oh, 100%. And, and and it's really interesting because I'll go back to the Colts for a second because they had Phillip Rivers at quarterback this year. Of course, he retires now. I'm not sure if we recorded the last episode before he retired, but he's retired now. This is this is February 4th, 2021. He, he's retired. He's going to coach football in Alabama, um, high school football. And one of the interesting scenarios that Frank Reich, the coach of the Colts, came up with was, on third down and shorts, third down and ones, third down and twos, he brought in Jacoby Brissett to be that kind of guy to move the chains. And I see Cam Newton as that type of guy, someone who isn't necessarily starting, but someone who could be a valuable asset to a team to chew up clock, to move drives, someone who can run the read option pretty well. He's not someone who I feel like can be a threat in terms of what you were talking about throwing the football down the field. I think his accuracy is shot compared to when he was playing with Carolina, especially during his 2015 MVP campaign. Yes. Um, it's it's probably best for Cam to stick to the ground and be a Lamar Jackson type. He's he's probably a, 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 a much lesser skilled Lamar Jackson, is how I'd put he, Cam Newton at his career at this point. He still is – like, it, it, first of all, one thing I noticed, the main thing that – I was worried about with cam going into the season was his health and he looked very healthy for most of the season. Like he looked like he still has it in the legs and, you know, he's hard to bring down. He's still fast and he's smart with the ball, like as a runner. Um, And he still can sling it. It's just like, it, it looks so bad. Like his, his throwing motion looks like, looks like a four year old child trying to throw. 
And obviously, Cam actually gets it down the field um, better than a four-year-old child could. But um, it just, it, it like, it, it just, it mechanically doesn't make any sense to me. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just watch Cam Newton's highlights. Even his best throws look like, I mean, it's just not a throwing motion that makes any sense. Um, and it's just kind of de- deteriorated over time. But that said, yes, I agree. I think that worst case for Cam, at least, is he becomes kind of like that backup who gets a lot of playing time. But I also think that we're going to see a trend of a lot more teams doing that throughout the season. I think we're going to see a lot of teams who a lot of teams go with kind of a two quarterback approach uh, for whatever reason. Um, Obviously, you know, the chiefs don't really have much of a need to do that. I mean, Chad Henning's awesome, but chiefs don't really have much of a need for uh, two quarterbacks with Mahomes and the, the bucks have a pretty good quarterback themselves, but you know, in, in general, I think that we'll see a lot of Taysom Hill situations. The Eagles obviously have two, quarterbacks who are capable of moving the ball. Um, And I could see if Wentz is the starter, I could see Jalen Hurts uh, getting his share of playing time, a couple snaps a game. Um, I obviously, like we said, Cam, Uh, then there's Taysom Hill, who's probably going to stay in New Orleans. And if Jameis Winston is the starter, it's not like Taysom Hill's not going to get snaps. Just other things that offenses, like offenses are going to be getting the most out of, the quarterback room getting the most out of the players that they have on their roster and they're going to be oh i lost my train of thought that's okay i i i think i think a good i think you you make some really good points about about cam and you also mentioned a couple of quarterbacks who i wanted to talk about and that is the philadelphia eagles quarterback room carson wentz and jalen hurts those are two guys that we haven't really talked about in full depth yet another team that is in the midst of a coaching transition. So they fired Doug Peterson because of course, Doug Peterson putting in Nate Sudfeld in a winner go home week 17 matchup against the Washington football team was probably one of the most boneheaded moves I've ever seen in a regular season. Eh, I still don't think it was so bad. It was, it was pretty bad. And they're picking six. They're not picking ninth, but it's over. But it was, but it, but it, it was deserving of his firing, and that's why they revisited it. They both agreed they that him. it was tired because he had a bad season. It wasn't that one game; like it, that one game didn't matter. It came down to it; they could have won the division. Um, like, and no, they couldn't have. Or I'm sorry, da- Dallas could have won the division. But my there, my no, point is, the, you you basically the, threw the, the game. Giants could have won, but they didn't. You threw the like, game. I, my point, like Peterman Peterson, did not get fired because of that. He got fired for a multitude of reasons. That might have been the final straw, but like that wasn't the reason. And the reason why this is so important is because Peterson was obviously like he was the the main like he's the main guy who has to make the decision in that quarterback controversy. And now that he is gone, we don't know what the new Eagles coach is going to end up doing with uh with the quarterbacks. Right, and then that's what I wanted to talk about because Peterson basically alienated the room by benching its momentum shifter in Jalen Hurts. And now that we have a fully healthy Carson Wentz who isn't in the midst of any more drama, now we have Nick Sirianni, who his last job was the Colts offensive coordinator. Now, what is he going to do? Because his press conference when he was introduced to the media was not good. I don't know if you were able to catch it. it. He went on a big tangent about uh, all the different schemes and how it was going to make more sense simplification wise on their end, but not on the opponent's end. It was a really bad look. So my I question, I, my like, I mean, yeah, it was a bad look, but I still like press conferences are hard, you know, like sure. English, English is hard. Sometimes I, I just lost my train of thought, you know, on this show. And obviously like, I'm not held to the same standard as an NFL head coach, but like, I get it. At least he didn't look cracked out like uh, Adam Gase. True. That's very true. With the the, sni- the sniffing salts really did him in. But I, I, I think an interesting thing with the new coaching staff in Philadelphia is you've got Sirianni, whose last quarterback was Philip Rivers. You've got Shane Steichen, who was hired as the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. He last coached Justin Herbert. So you have 
the old guard with Sirianni who could possibly gravitate towards starting Carson Wentz because of a similar skill set with Philip Rivers. But then you've got Steichen, who coached a young gun in Justin Herbert, who is the same draft class as Jalen Hurts. So my question to you, Elijah, is do you think it's realistic that we have a permanent starter named by week one, or do you think it's going to be a a quarterback rotating carousel? I think it's going to be a little bit more of a rotating carousel, but I also believe, I think Wentz is going to mostly be the starter, but I think it's going to be a situation like I was just talking about before, uh, like kind of a similar to a Taysom Hill thing. I think we could see a situation where Jalen Hurts gets like eight to 10 snaps a game, or he might get a drive or two here and there just to keep the defense off balance. Um, and of course, like when you have two quarterbacks, there are various reasons why a team would um, alternate them. I think Miami is an example of not necessarily getting a different style of player in there, but Miami is an example of putting in Ryan Fitzpatrick to relieve Tua when he can't handle situations that are particularly demanding, um, which shouldn't happen as Tua grows as a quarterback, but it does make sense for, you know, a rookie quarterback. Um, And I guess, point I'm making is I think we're just going to see I think Wentz is going to earn the starting job or is going to keep the starting job but I also think that that doesn't mean we're not going to see any Jalen Hurts and I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to make a few plays every game uh, here and there Um, it's actually it's something that I wanted the Bears to do this season with Foles and Trubisky you know I would have liked to see Nick Foles get um, get some snaps in games where Trubisky was struggling later in the year. Um, not because I, not because he's better than Trubisky, because I think Trubisky is you know pro- proved that he's a more talented player overall. But because you know it's just a just a change of pace. I think that we're going to see more and more teams doing that, and I think that the Eagles are. I think that they are one of the earlier teams to start that. Obviously, this year with the. Uh, with Hurts and Wentz. Um, and really it's a kind of a trend started with, uh, with the saints and Taysom Hill. And yeah, I, I, I agree completely with you. I think that the Eagles are definitely, they're going to name Carson Wentz the starter. And it's amazing that he even is able to stick around in Philadelphia for as long as he did, because if Doug Peterson was still the coach, I feel like Carson Wentz would be shipped off by now. But now that definitely. we have a new regime, I think that Wentz will stay. He'll be named the quarterback. And then there will be times in, each game where you'll see Jalen Hurts, maybe not for an entire drive, but in terms of key play situations where if Carson isn't necessarily getting the momentum, it could be a little bit like we saw during the 2020 season. Now there's one more quarterback who I really want to discuss before we uh, bid you all farewell. And that's Dak Prescott. I think we should really talk about him because his situation with Dallas has been so fluid and he had an increase in salary this past season, going from a little over $2 million a year in 2019 to $31.4 million in 2020 before he suffered his uh, really unfortunate injury. And I'm so upset at Jerry Jones because, of course, he's not only the owner of the team, he's the GM of the team. He makes all of the player personnel decisions. And you had the opportunity to sign Dak Prescott to a major max contract and you chose not to and look what happened it's really ironic it's really frustrating Prescott is going into a free agency season in 2020 to 2021 what do you think is going to end up happening with him I think he's going to stay with the Cowboys I think they'll work out a deal honestly I can't imagine that they let him go um I think that wherever he goes whoever signs him will overpay a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think Dak is bad at all. Obviously I think Dak is very good, but I just think that quarterbacks in general make a little bit too much money. And he's like, he's like an example of someone who is right on the threshold between the Watsons and Mahomes is of the world and the Josh Allen's well. Yeah. And yeah. And the Josh Allen's and then like, you know, he's right between that level and the Kirk cousins level and the, um, the, the Nick Foles is, or maybe not Foles, but like 
like the he's somewhere between like a Hasselbeck and a Manning, right? Like he's just like right in which between. Manning? Yes, uh, Peyton, the the yeah. good one, the, yeah. the 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 great one. Um, but no Eli's elite. No offense to Cooper, but uh, and Archie, but um, but no, I I think that the Cowboys will get him and they'll pay him elite starter money. Even though mm-hmm. I think he is a very very good starter, I want to put him in the elite category. Um, but I do think that he will stay with Dallas and because um, obviously you can win a lot of games with Dak. Yeah, um, and he's a great leader, really good player. Um, and I think that he will be a Dallas Cowboy. Hopefully he's not a Dallas Cowboy because I hate the Dallas Cowboys because <laughs> I am an American and real Americans don't like the Cowboys. Yeah, I, um, you know. I'll let you have that piece of your words. But yes. I, I, I agree with you as much as I've given Jerry Jones crap. I still think that they'll somehow come to a agreement and understanding because the problem is you can only use the franchise tender twice and they've already used it once. And that's why the, the hit was as big as it was at 31 million. The hit right. this year will be around 37 million, which is Ooh. just an astronomical number to pay one significant person for a year. And that's also coming off an injury Texas, too. where, what was that? Or just coming off an injury too, like 37. Right. Million. And, yeah. and that's why they might be a little bit more hesitant to offer him a max deal, but you, it doesn't help that they already paid Zeke a bunch of money too. Right. But, oh, it, it just frustrates me how, and and this is obviously makes sense because it's the NFL, but every position is based off of importance and the amount of money that you throw at one individual. And of course, quarterback is the most important position on the field, which is why the quarterbacks always get paid the most. But if we're comparing quarterbacks here, I would rather give Dak Prescott a Jared Goff like contract than Jared Goff because I think that Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than Jared Goff. I think he has more to offer on the field. I think he's a better leader on the field. I think that he's universally respected and it it, it makes sense. It it just makes sense to pay the man. They should have paid the man last year so that he could get his money and be okay in the rehab process. It's just, it's so unfair to a guy like Dak Prescott who has gone through so much, not only in his football career, but in his life. And there's some, he's just someone who you root for. And he doesn't strike me as the type of person to be on the Dallas Cowboys of all teams, but here he is. And he's kind of making the team better from within. And that's also a reason why I think the Cowboys decided to keep their head coach, Mike McCarthy on for another year to see what they could do because Prescott was doing really well before that injury. And I, and obviously that's, a low grade because of how bad the NFC East is, but um, he was doing I, a good job. He, he, he did, did a great job. I think so. Ultimately, my answer to your question about Dak Prescott is: I think I, I don't want him to be a Dallas Cowboy, but I think he will work. I think the Cowboys and Prescott will work out a deal. Yeah, a long term deal. I agree. I, I I think so too, and hopefully Jerry Jones comes to his senses and, and does that. So, um, Elijah, what do you? What do you think that we missed? Did we miss anything, or do you think that we've? Oh, I'm sure we did, but like, there, I mean, um, there are, you know, like there, there's going to be moves that surprise us, and we'll talk about them uh, after the Super Bowl, which, by the way, is coming up, and we haven't forgotten about, and we will talk about most likely on uh, either tomorrow or Saturday. Um, but the thing is, like, we may have missed someone. But these are all things that we could talk about as the off season progresses. Um, and honestly, like the main thing is I'm just so excited uh, like to see all the player movement. I-, I love that football season really never ends. And I really look forward to seeing how different quarterbacks do in different seasons. Cause there's going to be a lot of player movement. Um, and it's just an exciting time. Yeah, this is. I agree with you, and I, I think that the NBA has the most parity in terms of transactions, and the National Football League is slowly starting to gain traction for that because you never see trades in the National Football League, especially like the Matthew Stafford for Jared Goffs. So I think that players are finally starting to utilize their voice, especially in the National Football League. It's it was at 
one point the most powerless league and slowly but surely the players are starting to take back their freedom and oh, yeah. a lot bargain. of the quarterbacks that we talked yeah. about are slowly starting to gain that kind of traction like the Deshaun Watsons of the world so again what you said makes a whole lot of sense it's all about excitement it's all about everything that's going on in the quarterback world and and I'm really excited for that to happen and I want to add one thing uh just to wrap up because I I didn't have the quote handy earlier but I want to say the Brett Favre quote sure. just because I paraphrased him, but he basically said uh, regarding the Deshaun Watson trade, he said, I'm kind of old school. You get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let, and let the chips fall where they may. I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. I think it's a different day and time and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. That is a lot of words for, he should just shut up and play football. And yep. I think Brett Favre does not understand the nuance of the situation. Maybe it's from all the hits to the head. I don't know. But the point is, let Brett Favre be an example here of the wrong way to think. And I obviously don't want to tell people how to think. But at the same time, player mobility is important. And when quarterbacks are able to move, it sets the standard that other players are able to move and have a little bit of freedom um, in terms of where they do their work and where they put their bodies, where they choose to put their bodies on the line uh, for the sake of entertainment. So while, um, while I understand Brett Favre saying, you know, like they do make a lot of money, that doesn't mean they're not entitled to their opinions. It's not like players are allowed to speak their mind and they should be allowed to play where they want to play. And I think that kind of sums up what this offseason is going to be about. It's going to be a lot of player autonomy and a lot of player mobility. And it's just really fun to see. And it's fun to talk about. And I, for one, well, I, for two, can't wait. Yep. And I agree. Brett Favre is a hypocrite by stating his opinion and then saying that Deshaun Watson's not wrong in doing what he's doing. But I think that's a, a good place to leave at that. And ironic that, the last point we made is about a quarterback who is no longer playing. So right. it's uh, a funny little uh, world that we live in, isn't it? So um, with that, for Elijah Zalonki, Noah Friedman, signing off on episode eight of the Cross Country Sports Podcast, make sure to download Anchor and to uh, listen to our podcast wherever you get podcasts. And also, especially stay tuned for our Super Bowl preview show, which we're obviously going to record in the next couple of days. You don't want to miss it. But until then, have a great rest of the day to everybody, and uh, thanks for listening.